welcome to another episode of Six Before Breakfast, the podcast of the ICD, for those who make a living by being creative and talented, or manage and coach those who do. Visit us online at our LinkedIn and Facebook channels, join our community of interest to see, hear more from like-minded people and meet some friends you do not know yet. My name is Anthony Eldridge-Rogers and today I'm talking to Sam Holland when we met at the Royal Society for Arts in London. Sam is an actress, director and theatre project creator. After training at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama, she set up a theatre company to explore and create site-specific work in and around London and, for a few years, a theatre company in Valencia in Spain. But Sam also has other passions and talents, is a published illustrator and, in recent years, has become a pioneer in sustainable product design and materials development, and is now acknowledged as one of the leading women entrepreneurs in this field. In our conversation, we explore issues such as why it's important to find your creative tribe, how we can encourage creative people to not be damaged by careers advisors, why it matters to take risks and take action, know yourself in the context of what you're trying to do, don't talk about what you're going to do, just get on with it, and other topics. So now let's meet Sam Holland. How did you end up at drama school? And tell me the story from, you know, your family, where you grew up briefly, and just how did you get to your first love, which I think we're going to establish is theatre? Yeah. 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 What was that journey? Um, I think it was largely to do with the fact that my my mum was really, really loved theatre and had been taken to the theatre by her parents from a, a very young age. And also she used to sing old music hall songs and that introduced me to, to music hall and that kind of vaudeville uh, broad, uh, performance and uh, my dad was an artist so when I was growing up my dad was a surrealist artist so in many ways I think I didn't really have much option <laughs> but to do something that was creative and I think what theatre gave me was a chance to feed in all of those things that I could see that I enjoyed from 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 what my parents were interested in and and combine it in a quite a, a neat form um but I'd never really thought about directing theatre as a kid, I think, because I couldn't see any... I, there weren't any really visible role models. I could understand that it was possible to be an actor or an actress and enter into the theatre. And so I think that's what my focus was. I tried to, I tried to direct a production of The Wizard of Oz when I was 10 um, at my primary school and no one was interested. And I couldn't understand why. And I remember debating with myself because I had no one else who was interested, talked about it, about how I was going to create the Emerald City. I still remember that thought really clearly. So there was obviously a, a, some kind of desire in me from a really young age to, to put, make a piece of theatre, but I, I took the, the acting route because it was the one that, that was more visible to me. Was there any particular show or, you know, theatrical event that, triggered you into that decision because you could have become an artist couldn't you like your dad um well i also acted as a as a kid um so m my brother uh, uh, my brother and i did quite a lot of tv stuff um and i i fell in love with being on a on a film set doing a shoot having a, a cup of coffee when you're 12 13 you feel very grown up and also i think being with older actors and people who'd, who who had a huge amount of experience, who some of whom took me under their wing, 
those things all sort of multiplied and acted, I think, so as the you were sort of mentored then from quite an early age. Would you see it like that? Or yeah, just, I think just so. Just being around yeah. people that I mean, were Yeah, I mean, I think that. actors generally, not all, <laughs> um, are, are, can be very generous people. The best actors can be generous people. And they're very happy to share what they have. And that's something that I want to carry on doing. Uh, and there are other actors who, partly because of the competitive nature of the business, hold their their cards very tightly to their chest and don't don't give um and that's that's sometimes difficult but yeah i've i've had the benefit of being guided and uh, nurtured in a way by a number of older actors writers architects designers that i've met and maybe my because my parents were quite a bit older i was i felt quite comfortable in the company of people who were significantly older than me, and I think I learned quite a lot from them. Did, did your parents steer you? I mean, you, you sort of said it was a bit inevitable. Was, were they pushing it upon you in that sense? Was it just an assumption in the family, you're going to grow up to be a, a creative person like us? Uh, or, I mean, if you'd wanted to become an accountant, you know, was that on the table? I don't think they'd have been... With no, 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 no offence meant to any accountants, accountants here. Okay. Any accountants listening <laughs> In fact, my, to this, I'm my, my mother-in-law is, is oh, an accountant, okay. so um, <laughs> she does an, an, a, a very Oops. excellent job. Interestingly no, enough, at the very theatre. very creative yeah, as well. well so. she, she works as an accountant in a theatre setting, so, ah, okay. so I, can, I can forgive her that. Um, but no, it just never kind of, uh, it never occurred to me, and I think I'm, I'm very grateful that um, my parents were so utterly unconventional. I mean, they had, there were some pretty difficult issues that we had at home because there was no, no real structure. And I think in many ways, one of the trigger points for me may well have been that theatre gave me a safe space to be because my childhood was quite chaotic. My, my father and mother had quite a, a, a violent relationship. And so we, my brother and I, from a, quite a young age, became their parents in a way. Um, and... I think that sense of having to control or needing to control played a part in um, in wanting to be in the theatre because it, it's always felt like a safe place. When I walk into a dressing room, walk into a theatre, I just kind of go, oh, I feel like I've arrived, I've, got, I've come home. home. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, can we go there just a little bit to the psychology of it? So, yeah, yeah. So do you think that that finding a safe place for yourself was a sort of response to the dysfunction at home was it a coping mechanism uh yes totally okay i would say All right. was your yeah. refuge yeah. and i think i'm also right in saying that you also have quite a thing for black and white films from the 1940s is that is that right did I heard someone yes. yes. <laughs> it was disclosed to just me. so you yeah. know this is layla who's my best friend who also happens to be my my wife yes yeah um okay. did she tell you that yeah she did did i Why? yeah yeah I think I've told her or, or suggested she watch some strange films that yeah. she normally doesn't like and she suggests okay. to me that I watch right. some films. Yeah, I mean, I do. I, I think partly because my parents were that much older. My dad was um, 50, almost 50, when he had me, and my, which was not so unusual now, but I think when I was born, um, it, was, it was more unusual. And so I grew up watching All About Eve and... Uh, lots of um, Bette Davis, Joan Crawford movies. Um, and I think also I really... Oh, no, yeah, I know what Leila's talking about. Film noir, I yeah. think. Film yeah, noir. and, and okay. I, I would yeah. kind of find really obscure <laughs> black and white movies um, and and kind of 
deconstruct them in my head and try and work out why they why they worked. All right. So you you end up at Guildhall. Yeah, yeah. Um, was that easy to to pull off? Uh, well, it, it, apparently. <laughs> you got I in. Well, well, I was got that, in. Was that yeah. a struggle? Was that nerve wracking? Was that... it was? I mean, I remember thinking, "There's no way." I'm even though I built up a, a body of work as a as a child actor. I uh, I I guess I I didn't I didn't really ever believe that I was going to get a place because it's quite quite a tricky thing yep. to do and and I remember we were all put into a room and told um, there were different rooms that people were going to go into and you'd find out whether or not you got a place and then there'd be the room of the people who would had not got a place and I couldn't or you could go home and you could you could phone up the next day so I went home and phoned up the next day because I was so sure that a I hadn't got a place and b if in in finding out I hadn't got a place I'd rather not be in a room right. with a load of other people um, trying Makes not sense. to cry. <laughs> um, so I rang up from outside my school, um, and uh, in the, I remember going into the, the telephone box, putting my my ten p in the, the slot, and the guy, um, who the administrator at Guildhall, saying, "Yeah, yeah, you've got a place." And I remember asking him to check that uh, could he check the list again, just to to make Double sure check. that he yeah, had yeah. got the right person. Yeah, yeah. So yes, yes. And Guildhall, what year was that? So that was so that was nineteen ninety eight to ninety one. Ninety eight, sorry, eighty eight. Oh yes, I'm yep. being, yep. I'm going backwards in time. Backwards in time. <laughs> um, that's something they teach you at Guildhall, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, uh, that's time. also probably yeah. why I'm not an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> um, can't can't okay, do maths. Yeah. So Guildhall around that period, I think Guildhall now is, mm. is quite different. What kind of experience was that for you, and how did that help you or hinder you? creatively um i i had the i had a fantastic time at, at guildhall and i think because i'd spent quite a lot of my childhood doing the same th- sort of thing when you're cast as a child actor you tend to be cast in the same kind of roles and it's not to say that when you leave drama school the same thing doesn't happen to you um it happens more often than not but drama school it was the most extraordinarily it was a, a place where you could experiment and you could you could develop your craft and find out, push yourself to the limit, discover what, all sorts of different kinds of acting. One of the things I loved most about drama school was um, a half-mask character work with a wonderful, wonderful teacher called Chatty Salomon, who's sadly not here anymore. And she was just, she was actually probably one of my earliest mentors and, and guides. Her enthusiasm for, for theatre and and how to develop a, a character the freedom that it it, it gives uh, an actor and actually a non-actor it's quite a useful tool um suddenly putting yourself behind a half mask so you, you're still able to talk um uh, is 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 an extraordinary um tool that actors uh, c- can use to to discover things about themselves that they might they might be constrained by thinking they're a particular there's a particular style of work that they do and it, it blows all of that it blows it all up in the most wonderful way and when you left Guildhall, mm-hmm. was it easy? Because there you are, you know, the class gets spat out into the, the world of reality, mm-hmm. which is, how, how am I going to make a career? Did you have a clear idea of what you were going to do? Did it, or, or were you sort of making it up as you went along? Yeah, I think I've always made it up as I, I, as I go along. And I, I think I've always been endlessly hopeful, optimistic and prepared to improvise, whatever the situation um, uh, and I, I got, I got offered a couple of jobs um, in my final year, 
one at the Royal Court and one at the National. In hindsight, I wish I'd taken the job at the Royal Court. It's a piece of new writing. Anyway, my agent at the time persuaded me to take the job at the National. And I had the most uh, awful, awful time. It was a, it was a, it was a, a, a group of um, actors who um, didn't really connect well with each other. And I'd come straight out of a very ensemble training at Guildhall where everyone kind of did look after each other. Well, that certainly was my my experience. Um, and suddenly I found myself in this kind of like... So the know, new actress in the... Kill or... Yeah, yeah kill, kill or be killed. Oh, really? Kind of. Right. I mean, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. And um, But I did meet um, uh, uh, an older actress who became very much um, a mentor and remains a mentor. Uh, I still see her. Um, and she... We both sort of helped ourselves through it because I didn't think she had the most wonderful time either. And it was one of those classic situations whereby it was a very, very strong directorial um, idea, conceit, um, but the actors just sort of had to find their own way. And because they weren't... Didn't really work very closely with one another, it made it almost impossible. So every night I went out thinking... I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm trying to make it up. I've had no direction. Every time I asked for direction, I was just told, no, 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 really pursue that kind of very naturalistic line, which just did, did not work in this particular play. And so I, I was aware that I was aware that all of the training I'd had and all of the work I wanted to do was just falling horribly flat. And it, but it taught me a big lesson. Yeah, I was going to it say, taught me the so, lesson that I wouldn't ever, yeah. ever step foot on a, on a stage again without directing myself it, it, down to an infinite detail that I could then throw away and discard as was needed. But I would never, <laughs> never again rely, rely on the kindness of strangers. I would never rely on, on the director or the other actors, which is a really sad thing in a way. But I had to do that to protect myself and, and make myself ready for the, for the next job. And that's a really practical lesson in the reality of, mm. of what can happen. Mm. Um, it didn't put you off. Did you have a moment of, oh, my goodness, am I doing the right thing here? Did it knock your confidence? Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did it I... take you long to get back on your feet? Luckily, I got work in, in other, in, uh, in other theatres and with other actors and it was a more in in a more sort of generous environment and that 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 I guess that helped me to get to to get my confidence back there was an older actor that I worked with um again another older actor who took me under their wing he he um it was at Hampstead Theatre and it was a really good fun play I was the only woman in an all-male cast and um he I was in my early 20s and he said to me that to survive as an actor, you have to cultivate the skin of a rhinoceros and maintain the soul of a butterfly. Oh, that's, and that's a T-shirt. Absolutely. It's a yeah, very good, yeah. excellent T-shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice. And that's, of course, true across a lot of disciplines mm. as well. Because, you know, we know that you are not just an actress, and, we, and we're coming to that in a minute, but you, you draw and you write and, mm -hmm. and, and you direct and so on. And so it... This kind of need for resilience is, you know, is transferable, isn't across all those different disciplines, really, ultimately. Um, where, you know, whatever role you're in, even as a director, mm -hmm. um, you may be in charge, mm. but in reality, you're, you're still open to the criticism, people not liking your work or the, act, the, you know, the talent you're working with not liking your work as well. Yeah. Great. So what happened then? You're out in the world, you're having experiences, you're what in your early 20s we're in your yeah, early, yeah, early, early 20s, 20s now yeah what was the next few years like just take us through that 
So al- alongside the, the acting, um, I had started to, to doodle. I'd always kind of drawn little box cartoons. And I think it was partly a, a way of I could never meet. I, I, wasn't, I figured I was never going to be as fine an artist as my father. But I could sketch and I could doodle and I could cartoon. So I, I'd been doing that for a while and I was in a dressing room with another actor and she said, um, oh, I like, I, like your, I like your drawings. She said, I'm developing a book with my sister um, about games uh, that children can play and we're looking for an illustrator and I think your style might work with that. So I, I knocked up a few drawings and the next thing I knew, um, Bloomsbury and I can't remember, another big publisher basically were kind of fighting for the, the rights to do this book. Okay. So then I found myself in various dressing rooms, acting, and when I was off stage, <laughs> frantically trying to illustrate. And this kind of carried on for, for, I guess, the next decade, really, and doing odd bits and pieces um, for, for books and editorial, um, pen and, and, and pencil and watercolour um, cartoons. Um, and I tried, I kind of dabbled with trying to write my own children's book, and I, I didn't, I, just, I, couldn't, I just couldn't focus it, I couldn't find the right story, or as would inevitably happen to me and still happens to this day, and maybe we might touch on it later, I get very easily distracted. I, I'm, I'm like a magpie. I find everything interesting. And so I think the other thing maybe that, that attracted me to theatre was that it gave me that structure, that discipline. You, you have to turn up, you have to do the job, and after four weeks there's a bunch of people sitting facing you that you have to deliver to but you're sort of someone who just sort of goes with the thing that turns up, aren't you? Yes, it's often this can be a problem, but yes. thing yeah. as well. But it's also kind of an asset, isn't it, in in life generally and, and creatively, being willing, the door, you know, a door mm. opens and you think, well, let me bob through mm. through that one. Yeah. Um, so that that's quite interesting, the fact that you also have the confidence to do that. Yeah, it's funny. I kind of sometimes I do stuff and then I look back and I go, oh, my God, how did I pluck up the nerve to do that? Or or actually often other people (laughs) say that to me. And then I go, yeah, actually, that was quite that was quite something to do that. Um, But yeah, I think I get that from my I get that from my mum. I get that kind of. It's a form of I mean, risk taking, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, and maybe there's a slight adrenaline kick yeah. that comes from that. But um, I, I, I just I find people endlessly interesting, and so I, uh, I'm for for me that interest and curiosity peaks any fear I might have of bowling on in there and asking someone a question yeah. because I'm I guess I'm always looking at the the positive or trying to look at the positive consequence of that action as opposed to the the disappointment at not trying at all yeah I'd much rather try it yeah and and then learn from that failure and i know that sounds like a bit of a cliche than than to not there's this tension between uh, people feeling young creatives as well feeling like that they can't screw up they can't mm-hmm. make a mistake and so they become risk averse and they want something that's more sort of stable and secure mm-hmm. and and predefined mm-hmm. and i'm hearing again um what you're telling me really is that that tension is important to get right because if you try mm. to be safe all the time, you're not going to take risks mm. and, and so on. But if you're a mad risk taker, you can take too many. So being willing to fail, all that stuff's in there, isn't mm. it? So the book the book was published? Yep. Yeah, and then... And and I think then you've they, written more books and as then well. And they, they, yep. um, they, they then asked for a sequel. <laughs> uh, so another, uh, yeah, another version. And then, then that got me another gig doing another, another book. Um, 
And I guess it also, it's, it's a very therapeutic thing to do. Um, and Leila illustrates, she's a, a very talented illustrator. And there's something about just kind of focus, again, it's a focus thing, isn't it? It gives me my framework and structure. Um, and the great thing about doing a book that you've got a deadline, having a deadline, that's the other thing. If, you, if you've got a publisher who's wanting a, a number of illustrations by a certain date, you get on and do it. If I'm trying to develop my own, my own work, I find it much harder. You're, you're, are you, you're married by now? Are you becoming a mum yet? After the illustrations, so yeah. When I'm 28, okay. right. I meet my, my husband, mm-hmm. Humphrey, and he, we meet at a theatre. Yeah. And he's there at the first night, actually introduced to me by the actress who wrote the, the book. Ah, so well, there you go. It all fits together. Serendipity. Very nice. Very, yeah. very nice. <laughs> and let's just quickly tell us about Humphrey, because Humphrey's also a fascinating character. Just give us a quick overview of Humphrey. Oh, blimey, where do I start? <laughs> the mad, um, shall we say mad inventor? Um, he'd probably <laughs> kill you if I, know, I was saying that. Would. I know. But yes, no, but you're, you're right, you're right. No, he's, he's more um, a problem solver. Right. He actually doesn't like the polite, word. A lot, of, a lot of people say, yeah. oh, you're, the, you're the, yeah. the, the inventor or the innovator. And actually, he's, yeah, he's just always been good at solving problems. Really dyslexic. Mm. Um, I was going to say as a child, he's still dyslexic <laughs> as an <laughs> yes. adult, obviously. Yeah. Um, and he... Um, he he started off, he didn't really like school. In fact, that's an <laughs> understatement. Um, he just didn't kind of get what school was all about, why you would kind of learn the same thing when you could be learning <laughs> new stuff. Um, but he did enjoy taking things apart and putting them back together. And so he started by building cars, old classic cars, um, which is a, a wonderful problem-solving puzzle in itself. And he'd take a trunk of old bits and transform them into this beautiful xk120 uh, that's the other thing we shared was a, a love of old old, old, cars. old cars um and i think me from a design perspective um and the aesthetic of the car him from how the car worked um so he he was doing that and then he got asked by his cousin um whether or not he could develop a, a machine to to make a continuous loop cable um for racing boats and Formula One cars, which would be an inherently strong loop of fibre that, that wouldn't break in the same way as a, a, a cable with a friction fitting on it. So he did that, and that took us out to Spain. And, and so we started, I guess, our journey together. Right. I would be designing and, and building the, 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 the brand of, of yeah. the, the company. So we built the brand of a company called the Classic Car Workshop, and then we developed another company together. And then somewhere along the way i started to learn about new materials yeah i mean this is quite fascinating because so what you're doing is you're transferring your creative talents which are quite broad and you are putting them into a business environment essentially Mm -hmm. right where your husband is creating humphrey's creating these materials did you consciously make a decision to do that? Was it was that natural curiosity that you've referred to quite a few times? Just it was just like, wow, this is interesting. Let me tinker around. Yeah, was with that this. absolutely. That. And the next thing you know, mm-hmm. you know, you're, yeah, you're knee deep I, in carbon fibre rope. And, yeah, I guess yeah. yes. I don't know why. I just can't <laughs> I can't help myself. <laughs> I, as much as I try, yeah. and sometimes other people try and help me, I find myself getting. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm always interested in seeing what I can make out of something. And one of the things that's exciting to me about theatre is that you can start off in a blank space. 
And you can just by the power of your imagination or more importantly, by helping the team of work, people you're working with to harness the power of their imagination, construct something literally out of nothing. So when you've actually got something to work with, be it a business, a, a, a car, a, a festival, an event, it's, it's all the easier. And, and now you, the late, your latest incarnation of uh, your business mm. is, which has been going, what, for about five or six years, is it? Something yeah, I like think that? we're into uh, seven or eight. We're into yeah. our eighth year now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so tell, that's C-Sense. Yeah. Yeah. T- tell us what C-Sense is up to and what, what you've been doing there. So C-Sense was founded in 2014, um, and it's the latest of our our madcap um, companies that Humphrey and I have uh, have, um, started. Um, And it was was developed to take a lot of the the technologies and developments that he'd really uh, worked with a focus on aerospace, sorry, not on aerospace at the time, on on Formula One and and racing, and see whether or not that could be scaled up in, in some way. Um, and so we thought if we could take some of those new lightweight materials and make them fireproof and make a seat or something that would go on a train or a plane um, that was affordable and manufacturable um, and deconstruct the dark art of how to make composites, um, then that might be that might be fun. <laughs> and it's been hard. It's been fun. It's been challenging. It's been extraordinarily exciting. Um, and we've managed to do pretty well at it and we've picked up a number of awards yeah let's just because i know you've been acknowledged as as a leader a a woman leader in this field which i think is dominated by men yes that's right so tell us about that blow your own trumpet for a moment um i'd much rather blow other people's but (laughs) i guess then you wouldn't have a podcast would you you. (laughs) um uh no so yes so there was a program um run by innovate uk called the women in innovation um, and uh, I am one of the 2020-21 cohort, um, and that the, the project that I was given the, the Women in Innovation Award for was to develop sustainable aerospace materials, uh, interiors, and a collection that would be both business-to-business business and, and business-to-customer. Um, and m- what I worked on last year was developing a hemp and recycled carbon bioresin meal table for aerospace, because the, the arena we'd got into with C-Sense was aerospace, so we learned a lot about that with seatbacks, and I really wanted to try and move away from carbon fibre into a natural fibre product. Um, and the Innovate UK programme enabled me to, to push that forward. Yeah, and let, let's just spell out for our listeners here why this really matters and what, what, what's driving this innovation. Why do we need to make you know, aeroplane seats out of different materials and and, and all this kind of thing? Because um, traditionally aerospace um, materials, and actually not just aerospace materials, everything around us um, has been made for the last sort of 50, 60 years out of some really exciting new materials, but they're not particularly great for the environment. They're not particularly great for us. Um, if If you look around you in most places and you look at the laminate on the top of a tabletop, it's probably a high-pressure laminate that may well contain isocyanates, maybe not formaldehyde anymore, but that still exists. You know, we walk into a new, uh, get into a new car and you smell the carpet, then the thing you're probably smelling is formaldehyde. And that's um, outgassing, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. so those things aren't particularly great. Thankfully, there has been a, a, an awakening and a realisation that these things are a problem. But a lot of the time, particularly where there's volume production and price points are really, really tight, 
unfortunately, a lot of the materials that get used um, are really fast to manufacture and process, but not great either in their lifetime and certainly not at end of life. So something is shifting. It's shifting in some sectors faster than other. Um, architects and designers are embracing this stuff and have been embracing new materials that are sustainable for the last 10 years or so. But there's a lot of sectors that still haven't quite got there. And it's also because they're, they're risk averse. Uh, and post the pandemic, people have become even more risk averse. Although what the pandemic did do and what uh, Greta Thunberg has done, obviously, in that sort of period, the last sort of five years, is allow people to, because we've had to stop doing what we're doing because the economic model isn't working or because we've just had time to sit back and realise and view from a distance what we've been trying to do, it's enabled, I think, a lot of uh, new innovations or sustainable new materials to start to enter the market because the public want them and business, the business model doesn't work anymore. It's become dysfunctional. So um, it's important on the most basic line because you, we should be surrounded by healthy materials. So, right, so I know that essentially you've got a leg in two camps at least, haven't you? Possibly three. So you've got... If I had three got, legs, I'd I know. Have well, metaphorically, like eight. <laughs> yes. so so we've got Sam, who is still involved in writing and creating for the theatre, and I know that you have got um, a plan to you know, develop your directing. Yeah, experience. I'd like to take that to the next yeah. stage. Yeah. We've got Sam, who is the CEO of CSense, who is, and I think wrestling would be the right word, wrestling with the challenge of. Not just, you know, developing great products, but actually how do you get them to market? How do you get the uptake? And this is something we've talked about, mm -hmm. you know, offline about, mm -hmm. you know, you've got this great hemp product. But the sheer challenge of getting from it's a great product, but how do we get it to start actually replacing and effectively being used on, on scale? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... Is there another track you want to put Sam on? So we got those two. Is there, is there anything else going on that I need to know about? Oh uh, yeah, I'd yeah. love to be a filmmaker. <laughs> okay, <too>. filmmaker. <laughs> okay, yeah. So that's the and, sort and of then tomorrow I might yeah. want to be a landscape gardener. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's yeah. just, um, uh, and maybe a yeah. no. I mean, uh, what I really my my do I have three wonderful daughters, um, and my youngest daughter has always been wise beyond her years, and uh, that's not to take away anything from my other two. Um, they're also equally wise, certainly a lot wiser than I am. But um, my youngest daughter, um, Penny, um, took me to one side a while back, I think probably because I was trying to do 10 different things. I was pursuing octopus-like. And, and all of these things were sort of really interesting, but none of them were kind of getting finished or completed. And she said to me, Mum, what, what do you want to do? What do you really want to do? What, what, where do you want to be? And she forced me to focus in on theatre again. Um, she forced I, you or, or the answer came back from you? Uh, theatre. Yep. Yeah, I guess. Yes, yeah. yes. So, um, and she, uh, because I think I'd been saying maybe I should try and get on, maybe do an MA in sustainable materials and 
maybe I should kind of be pursuing that or maybe I should be focusing on interior architecture because all of these things have always been of interest to me. And in fact, my father, before he was an artist, was an architect and his dad. So buildings have always been hugely important to me and I've always been fascinated by, you know, how Corbusier designed and why it worked and functional. Anyway, see, I'm going off on another tangent. And, and And so, yes, the answer came back. Uh, it's theatre and she said well then what are you what are you doing with all this other stuff just focus in on 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 this and just go for it um and so I heeded her advice and that's what I've been really trying to do and every time I kind of find myself being pulled off in another direction I, I don't I don't don't not go there at all but I I and I allow myself to or make myself go okay just before you go down that rabbit hole Come back and review whether or not you check, want you check need with yourself. to invest is this, the next week yeah. in understanding why polyfurfural alcohol works in a certain way with a bioresin and why I should combine that with flax or hemp and whether or not I should abandon um, recycled carbon fibre altogether because what's the point? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, as as you do, as you do, you know, as I of, do, of, of a week. Yeah. Okay, so. Um, there's, there's some big themes here, really. So, uh, first of all, let's see how you think about creativity. As experienced and expressed in theatre, directing that world, mm-hmm. what have you pulled through to this other world of, you know, creating alternative products, trying to get that off the ground? What skills are, are common to both? I think people, managing teams of people, is is a massively key factor. I think it's one of the things that's often uh, overlooked that the soft skills, if you like, um, that you get in a in a that you need in a in a corporate environment. Or I don't really like using the word corporate, but yeah. effectively, know, it's in, what it is in groups of people. Yeah, doing and things. and those yeah. are skills that you have instinctively as an actor, and I think need to have as a director. Because it's all about picking up on different tensions, stresses, using them often in the, in the theatre deliberately as a device within a scene. But also it's really important to know how to manage a team of actors, all of whom have different levels of experience, some of whom have different <laughs> levels of ego. Um, and those are some of the skills that I tried to, with some success sometimes and not success other times, tried to implement um, at CSENSE to create a culture where people looked forward to turning up at, to work every day and, and did genuinely understand that they needed to work as part of a team and that there wasn't... I tried to create a, a pretty flat management system. And interestingly enough, we, we had our um, quality management system that we had to that we implemented um, that was necessary as part of being an aerospace supplier, and a quality management system is super helpful because it brings a kind of structure and system, but it also can have a, an opposite effect in whereby everyone feels that they're following a, a system that's been imposed on them and they cease to work as a team. Because they're all, rather than referring to each other or talking to one another, uh, one another, communicating, you're communicating through the system. And that was a really difficult thing that I found to manage. I'm not sure I ever did manage to, to get the balance right. 
Um, does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. I'm wondering also about, you know, so you're using your skills mm. that you've learned. Are you trying to foster those skills in your in the people that you're managing? So is create, you know, are you yeah, encouraging I'm, creativity? I'm and, always trying to pass that on. I hope it's more passing on than <laughs> imposing, but maybe sometimes people feel like I'm imposing it on them, but that's me just not doing the best. But job I mean, the imposing can be a useful mm. tool. I mean, well, I think the reason we have leaders and, and directors, yeah. the reason you have a director for a, a theatre show is because somebody has to kind of hold a, a focus, don't they? And sometimes they have to be quite directive. Mm. Director, directive. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And it's that framework thing again. If I can provide a a safe place where there's a clear structure, then I feel like the, the actors or the team of people who are working in the company have the freedom to operate. Yeah, OK, so let's just dig into that because, again, there's another paradox here, isn't there, about between safety and, and risk. Mm -hmm. So I, I, do you mean... Let me guess what I think you mean about safe. You don't mean risk-taking isn't present, but you mean that people are psychologically safe? Mm. Is, is that what... I mean, obviously, in, in a manufacturing environment, it, it has to be both. But, well, there's and, health and, and safety. Theater, exactly. Yeah. But, yes, no, much more in terms of the fact that they feel like they have ownership of what they're doing. As an actor, I know what it feels like to walk out on a stage in front of a bunch of people and know absolutely clearly to feel that I know exactly where I am, what I'm doing. And things might change within the scene, but I feel solid. And that's the kind of feeling I want I wanted want my team to, to have when they walk on stage or when they walk into the into the factory. I want them to know that they're going to their, their place of work and their, their, they know why they're doing what they're doing and they take they take pride in what they're doing. Yeah. And the and, end and result they, tends to be pretty good. Yeah and the, and the, the you know you welcome innovation, you welcome their mm. ideas, mm. you know you know and it's the same isn't it in, in, in putting together a dramatic work and so on. You you know there's a great talent isn't there in the pool of actors you're working with and you know to sort of shut that out and say it's not welcome is it I, I always amazes me when i see that happen mm. you know there's a lot of a lot of uh, creativity that you can use as a director that comes yeah. from from your cars absolutely so, yeah and it's the same learn, in business you, isn't it you, you learn know? from them yes. yeah yeah you know having having a very open creative policy is important mm. yeah so what do you think has been uh, you've mentioned this which I, makes me laugh, really, because I, I so relate to it. Uh, this endless curiosity that seems to sort of pop up and attach itself to, to everything. How, how have you managed to sort of not let yourself just run away in too many directions? How do you, how do you get that under control? And how do you recommend people think about that? Um, I, I think um, having that thing I spoke about earlier, about having a sort of self-checker, that, that, albeit that it was um, influenced, I was influenced hugely by my youngest daughter reminding me of this. Um, I think by trying to limit the amount of things I'm trying to achieve and set myself clear goals. So I focus in hard on just one thing and get that finished. Um, and the sense of satisfaction that gives me from actually, even if it's just completing a, 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 a cartoon or drawing up a, a, a treatment that I have an idea for a, a, a piece of writing or theatre, actually starting it and finishing it, I can only really do that if I lock myself away, find a way to not get interrupted. Open plan offices are just a total disaster for me. 
because everything I hear, I yeah. maybe it's just I'm nosy, but I just <laughs> or, um, or just interfering or want to be part of it. But I, I just can't. I, I'm so easily distracted. I, pe- some people work listening to music. It's something I yeah. have never been able to do. I have to, which is curious, really, when you think that for the rest of my time, I want to be surrounded by endless different impetus. So... Yeah. Are you familiar with the, you know, flow? You know, talking about flow? I'm not sure, no. Well, flow, flow um, is, you know, the word used to describe that state when you become really absorbed. Oh, yeah. And sort of, you sort of transcend your yeah. self and you get mm-hmm. lost, time changes, you know, an hour can go by, you're not quite sure what happened. Yes. You, that, rec- I mean, you recognise that state? Uh, that's how yeah. I am. <clears throat> I am all the time. Yes. I think even now a bit. But yes, I mean, I feel like that either when I'm working on my own in a, in a space trying to write or draw or make something, and I find that a lot in a rehearsal room. If I've been working with some actors, I have no concept of time. And that's quite a dangerous thing. And that's something I have to... I, I, I'm looking forward to working on if I go on to this next stage of my career as a director is understanding time better. I understand it in terms of production and in terms of when we're actually doing the show and the importance of that. But in a rehearsal room, I could happily rehearse. <laughs> I could. I'm not sure the actors might want to, but I could happily rehearse for days and suddenly realise I hadn't eaten. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sort of losing and it yourself. is that flow. Yeah. 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 And I mean, there's something interesting about it as well, because, um, you know, a lot of, you know, that sort of idea that that the only only time that really exists is now, the, the present moment. So, you know, right now here and that we, at some level, we crave that experience and you know that's what happens really when you're on stage isn't it you know when or whenever you are drawn right into the the moment and you you're not really thinking about your shopping list for next week or where you're going on holiday next year you're you're fully present mm. that's an important experience mm. do you recognize those moments in your life do you seek them out yeah i think i do yes i mean i couldn't tell you what they are right here and now no. but the, when i'm i'm often in that state of flow and maybe i do get frustrated when i'm not yeah i definitely get frustrated when i'm not yeah. i become not anxious but i i can feel that i want to be kind of in the zone whatever that, that zone might yeah. be do you feel that you learned this quite quickly in, across your life i mean or do you do you look back and sort of think oh i wish i'd known that you know i wish i'd wised up to that you know 10 years earlier or... i think i worry less about I worry less about the results and, and what, what other people think of the results than I, I, I used to. Um, and I think when you're an actor too, there's a great spotlight on you all the time um, and you're at the behest of uh, what a reviewer thinks, not necessarily of you, but sometimes of you uh, and the play and the production you're in and that singular approach that you need to take as an actor where you have to focus in on what you're doing within uh, the the context of the play is sometimes quite not destructive but it's not particularly healthy mentally I don't think and I think one of the things I like about doing the other stuff and also very much doing uh, working as a director rather than an actor is that it gives me a, a very clear way of stepping back from that particular insular journey that I had to go on in many ways as an actor as you get older of course 
everything condenses, doesn't it? So you... Not, Literally. We're not going to give, <laughs> yes. Everything drops and condenses. Um, so how is it different now when you think about your creative self and what, what Sam is doing and committing to? How is that different to when you were in your 20s, when it... You know, inevitably, when we're in our twenties, we sort of think we've got lots of time, mm. and you know, we can we sort of procrastinate a bit and don't do things and so on. How how has it changed now? Um, I think when I was in my twenties, I was blindly just following the line that I was an actor, and I would carry on doing that for the for the rest of my life. I never really considered anything else. I might always have been interested in other things. I might always have drawn a bit, and but I I never really thought that there was anything else um and i remember reading a book by i think i've got this right somerset morn called the razor's razor's edge um and as far as i remember sometimes i i kind of mix books up in my head but i think there was a young guy in it um who who changed his his career i think he wanted to be a writer and he he decided actually he was going to learn how to make funnily enough cars he was going to fix cars remember that no. okay well, I might like have made the whole thing up <laughs> well, yes and I hadn't actually thought about that connection until just now um but I remember saying to um an actor who who I a student at Guildhall at the time Tony who who was an Australian actor um I said oh my god I've just read this book and it's totally flipped things for me and that I realized that maybe there is another there is another thing I maybe acting isn't all the the that the world is about and I was yeah. very young I was yeah. in my early 20s and he kind of looked at me oddly as if to say what do you mean you've always just thought that the only thing you should or could be doing is acting of course there's other stuff so um maybe that sowed a seed definitely that Somerset Morn sowed a seed that there was there were other things to do but then I think really it was a matter of luck and circumstance a series of fortunate events more fortunate than unfortunate um that that led me into those other into those other areas and so from my but also from my older self having children also helps you to have a hugely different perspective on what's important um balancing out you know family life and understanding what that that's that is as important if not more important, you know, without that, without there being this kind of divide between I need to focus in on my career or I need to focus in on my family, finding that balance and drawing again, trying to probably uh, use the best of those things and feed it back into some kind of, some kind of, yeah, feedback loop um, became the next way of managing my life. And I learned a huge amount from not simply being an insular, self-absorbed young actor who was, you know, frustrated about whether a casting had gone right, you know, or, oh, I could have done better, or, oh, why did I make that choice? Yeah, and I mean, I also, you, things have changed a lot, haven't they, since, since you know, culturally and in, in creative industries and so on. Um, and there's been quite an emphasis over the last, I don't know, say 10, 15 years, about every, everybody having to get into niches, mm-hmm. what I call yeah. know, nicheification, and um, what I hear from you, and 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 uh, I hear it from other creatives as well, is that you don't want to be in a box, um, you don't want to be in a niche because you know part of how you think about yourself in the world 
is of somebody who can sort of move fluidly across diff different interests. And yet creatives often get known for one thing, don't mm. they? And then when you... I, I mean, I like to read biographies of famous people and you'll find out that so-and-so an actor, you know, he's also a painter and he also... You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you always see this kind of multiple creativity cropping up. You very rarely see just no I all I do is act and I yeah. never do anything else mm. creative and yet that's disapproved of isn't it mm. now um you know your careers advisors and so on even in you know what are you going to do and it must be a, a one thing yeah you can't go into your careers advisor now in school and say well I'm going to be I'm going to be like Sam you know I'm going to be an actor writer illustrator you know entrepreneur you know, they 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 push you back, wouldn't they? And the, how do you think that? How do you think we can encourage creative people now to not get damaged by that? Um, how can I? Uh, when I went back to my school recently, um, as part of this Innovate campaign, to, to give a to a give talk. to talk yeah. to the um, the 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 young people who were about to choose their options for their their GCSEs. Um, I was talking to them about STEAM and the importance of uh, combining their science subjects with art subjects and that a kid who was good at drama uh, could also be a kid who, who enjoyed physics and that there had to be some way. As often happens, at pri a lot of primary schools manage to have that cross-curricular approach, but it all seems but to fall apart. But it comes out, doesn't it, as, as, as they get older? They yeah. sort of get stripped out. It gets stripped out and you have to yeah. you know, re refine it down. I think if, as part of the education um, and evolution of our children, they are able to, to, to understand that they don't have to compartmentalise. If we could only get rid of them having to do exams, that would help, that there was some kind of holistic journey right. that they're able to go on that could be n monitored or guided or observed in some kind of way. Um, I think that might help people to not get pigeonholed. But I haven't really answered your question about... How well, do you I th help a creative? I, th I think what to... what I'm quite interested in is 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 the knock to the confidence of young people mm. by by that exposure to this idea that you know their their, their mind is very interested, mm -hmm. but they're being sort of told sort of you shouldn't be like that. You mm. need you need to be like that. So you uh, how, how do we how do we support young people to not have their confidence taken away from them? Well, by by I think by having some kind of mentorship would be good i think i think one of the things that happens in our society is that uh, children tend to be segregated not only into subject areas but also into age groups um i think if there was more of a a, a dynamic between older uh, older students working with and guiding younger students that would help groups, yeah basically. Um, because as i learned, as i said right at the beginning of this i learned a huge amount from from being close to people who were from a totally different generation. First of all, my parents, and then a lot of the, the actors and, and directors that I ended up getting to know over time. And it's, un, it's, it's bottomless, the, 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 amount of, um, the amount that I learned from, from those people. And for as long as we kind of put bunches of five-year-olds with other five-year-olds and 15-year-olds with 15-year-olds, before we even get on to the lack of diversity. <laughs> well, this is coming, yeah. it's coming back as well to, to this nichification because mm. it's not, there's also these stratas, aren't there? Mm. We, we do the same culture, we put all the old people mm. together, yeah. uh, which is, I think, 
a, a disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and we st- stick everyone You know that program they had, uh, or some someone was, uh, someone developed a, a, a program whereby the primary school children would go in to old people's homes and they'd start doing workshops and they'd just, or they'd just hang out. Mm. And suddenly there was, and again, that's another a kind of extended compartmentalization, if you like, but at least it's, I think it's a step in the right yeah. direction. Yeah. And you've lived in Spain, of course, mm-hmm. and, and you can still see in Spanish and Mediterranean culture, you can still see the multi-aging. Mm-hmm. It's still quite naturally, you know, you go out at night and mm-hmm. you see the sort of, there's granny and the grandpa, and then there was all the generations all, all, all recreating together. And Yeah, and it's wonderful. And, it, and because we had spent some time out in Spain and then came back to the United Kingdom, it was even more obvious that yeah. we didn't do yeah. that here. Yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. And it's one of the things I tried to do. I set when I first arrived back in 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 Wiltshire, where I'm based now. I tried to set up a series of programs whereby you could use. I was developing half mask character workshops for children, but I was trying to develop something that would be something that the, the adults would engage with too. And now that's kind of that's sort of visible in a lot of festivals that you 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 might go to nowadays. So it is happening. But I remember at the time, a lot of people thinking I was just nuts. Why, why would you want to do that? And I think a lot of the time people go think it's they think it's going to be too complicated. It's not, it's not easy to contain. That's one of the advantages I think that people see in this kind of extreme compartmentalization that happens. Is it's just easier to manage, appears easier to manage, but the knock-on effect to that is huge. Mm. And I think the mistrust that young children uh, must it must engender now. The, the, the disconnect between how they are in their groups of five-year-olds and how the teachers and the teaching assistants are somehow away and this this distance that's being created where, you know, a young kid can't, when they fall over, they can't get picked up by a teacher because of other issues that yeah. we probably don't have time to go into now. But those things, I, I worry, have an effect on on the development of a kid. I remember teachers who would scoop me up when I fell over now now a, 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 the door has to be open, a teaching assistant has to be nearby, and the plaster is handed to the five-year-old. There's no, there's no warmth. <laughs> um, I've gone off on another No, but I mean, the, I don't think you have, because I mean, you know, I think this all connects together, because mm. what we're really interested in is integrated healthy self-development you know for, mm. for people and my position is everyone's creative you know creativity isn't something that you're born with and not born with it, mm. it's an innate you know part of being a human being mm. it's just that you know people sort of are told a story that there's some kind of compartment you know line and on one side of the creatives and the other side of i don't know non-creatives and so on which mm. i think is highly destructive really yeah, no, way, I agree. way to look at it look I at agree. it but um what what do you think we can do to um, improve that i'm not necessarily in the school system but Mm. you know sort of post-school i mean do you think it's something that we could do within the creative industries to do a better job of it do you think the creative industries even are addressing it i think i think um the fact that it's quite typical now to go and see a a, a theater a piece of theater that blends film and sometimes dance is moving in the right, right direction. I think our understanding, I hope, of, of materials means that there's possibly more opportunities for the science that's developing those materials to be used in an arts or creative space. Think about all the sculptures that are made um, with concrete right. or with um, minerals that, that are mined from, from the earth. 
Um, there's only a very few um, um, artists who are working with recycled or sustainable materials. So that will change. But I think that then needs to be um, extrapolated out. There has to be part of a kind of educational programme. And I don't mean it can be in any setting, preferably not a school setting. I think until we start to uh, have a better understanding of where stuff comes from, you know, the jumper that you're wearing, when a child knows automatically that that comes from a sheep and that there's a manufacturing factory and that that you need that, that, that understanding how things are manufactured is as important as, as understanding how to choreograph um, a street dance. Am I making any sense yeah, here? No, I'm no. not sure I am. Yeah. But until we start to naturally, organically blend these things without someone going, oh, God, that's a bit crazy, when that becomes the natural order of things, then I think uh, we'll probably be in a better place, and the, physically, and the, mentally. The, the T-shirt for that, you know, for me, would be everything is connected, you know, mm. and, and, yes. and really that's, that's what you're saying, is that what we need to do is join everything up again and realise that we aren't all living in boxes and silos and, yeah. and separate things, yeah. even though it can be useful for us to use descriptors to mm. describe certain groupings of things because mm. that helps us, mm. you know, um, sort of perform certain functions like put on a play. Mm. You know, you mm. want to describe people as actors and actresses and as directors. So, but that's, that's not to take away from the fact that they are just as connected to the world as any other, uh, other person. Yeah, and I think the way we see that is by less looking in on ourselves and more looking out <laughs> at what's all around us because it's all it's all out there you, you won't see those dots you won't know that it's possible to join them if you're forever following this insular line and there was a, a an amazing architect called Cedric Price who I got to know a little because I I was the one of the one of my mentors as a young actor um, was their partner and so I used to go along and, and hear him talk or typically hear students ask him how he'd come up with these crazy ideas I don't know if you know Cedric Price he worked um, uh, he had an idea for a fun palace um, and uh, he was always thinking about um, oh gosh what's the name of the director Joan Littlewood. Joan Littlewood. Joan Littlewood. Yep. So he worked with Joan Littlewood on a project called the Fun Palace, which is basically to turn Battersea Power Station into a, um, an arts venue, but also a place to live and a place to... The kind of stuff that <laughs> kind of happens now, thank, thank, thankfully. But when he was proposing these ideas, everyone was just... They just thought it was just too left field. And he built a place called the Interchange Studios. The concept of it was that when um, an organisation or group had, had ceased to have a use for that place, it could be moved. So these pods and units could be moved around or opened up or doors opened and the space could become smaller. Or, or, but the most important thing about him was that he was doing it because he was thinking about the fact that people evolve and change. And those links and dots get connected and disconnected depending on the time frame that we're living in and as an architect he was seriously devoid of any ego it would appear i'm sure he had one somewhere but his what was wonderful about him was that he was everything he was doing was not to build some kind of iconic um piece of architecture that would be remembered forever and remain as some trophy to his work it was about understanding what people needed and also understanding that as times changed, people would need different things. 
So I think he also, his way of thinking also influenced. Yeah. And it's a more organic way of thinking, isn't it? It's about allowing things to change and, and in, in a sense, building change into the way you think about the world. Um, you brought in today um, some materials. Mm -hmm. And um, actually, what I'm imagining... So I'm imagining... Uh, I've got a magic wand, and I'm imagining Sam's world. And we've, we've built your bespoke multi-purpose theatre... Mm -hmm. Okay, yep. out of your materials. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we've built it all out of hemp, mm -hmm. uh, which I know you're pioneering uh, using hemp uh, to build new materials, um, bioresins. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Um, we've built a theatre out of all those things. And then you're putting on shows in, in that theatre with all sorts of people that you, you know, imagine you want to work with. What I'm really curious is, if, imagine, I don't want to be too morbid with you, Sam. Oh, God, but go on then. Imagine uh, I'm at your funeral. <laughs> Not too morbid. <laughs> go straight And in I can take you with me. And they're making the speeches about Sam. Oh, okay. And I love this question. <laughs> and you're listening to the speeches. What would you want to hear them say about what you've left behind? You know, what, what the traces you've left back, you know, behind you in your life are. Um, a um, an encouragement of a spirit to to try <laughs> spirit that makes perfect sense with this and conversation. We don't mean alcohol. No, <laughs> no, we don't mean alcohol. Okay. We don't mean um, <laughs> that I'm kind of flying around with um, strange costume wings on either. But uh, I think um, a sense of endeavour <laughs> and to, to 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 not worry too much about trying something that's crazy. If 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 you've got a kind of impetus to do it. To, to do it um, and also I don't know I hope I hope a sense of I try and be a generous person so a generosity and inclusivity um, that that I try that it would be good if any if there was to be any legacy well that sounds terribly grand um, is that I've played a tiny part in trying to create an environment where people feel like they are in a safe space and they can just try stuff. And it doesn't matter if it doesn't work, but it's important that they try it and that they communicate with one another and that when it doesn't go to plan, it might, they might feel a bit rubbish for a while, but inevitably there will come a time when that particular episode can be fed back in as a positive. Even if they haven't learnt from it themselves, they can pass it on to someone else. I know, I'm struck, I'm struck by um, really what you're saying is you're building community. You're trying to inspire community. I mean, that's mm. what I'm hearing. If I kind of trying bottom, to, yes, bottom, yes, yes. Well, that, yeah. that's a lot of what you've said today is, mm. has been about relationships between mm. uh, yourself and other people and helping those relationships become something good and where people can thrive and those kinds of things. Yeah. So um, we'll end the conversation um, with the question which I think you've just answered, but let's just make it clearer, which is, you know, you can give three pieces of advice to a young-ish creative person. It doesn't have to be a young person, just be a creative person. And... Or you could even see it as giving yourself three pieces of advice. What would those three things be, I, just to make them clear? 
Um, I think it's really important to um, associate yourself with not necessarily like-minded people, but people who you have an interest in and respect what they're doing. Because inevitably, it probably will transpire that that will, that will be reciprocated in some way. The, the support that you need, going back to the, the actor who told me about cultivating the, the skin of a rhinoceros with the soul of the butterfly, that's a very good thing to kind of keep keep as a, a kind of talisman or aim. But if you're not in an environment where you're with other supportive people or that you feel when you give support, <laughs> they will welcome it, then that can be a very destructive environment. So, so surround yourself with people that So it's like find your are, tribe, is it? Find, find your tribe, tribe, absolutely. Find your tribe, a kind yeah. of way of putting it's it. It's really important. And yeah. I don't think I'd ever realised how important that was. Partly because because I was doing a lot of acting as a, a younger woman, I was sort of in, in my tribe anyway. But when I stepped out of my tribe into a business landscape, I was really aware that I didn't have many of my tribe around at all. Um, and I needed to rekindle some of it. So wonderful relationship I have with your, your wife, Layla. Mm -hmm. She and other friends of mine um, have been hugely helpful in keeping me <laughs> not on the right track, maybe, <laughs> <laughs> but um, certainly giving me that kind of support and, and inner strength that I sometimes needed when I, I felt that I was literally a voice in the wilderness. So find your tribe and be in community with your tribe. What, what else? So that's one. I think finding a way to, to focus um, and, and take time out to step back from what you're doing, particularly if you're, you're like us and you're trying lots of different things, to just take a step back, consolidate your, your, your thoughts um, and view things maybe a little bit more objectively. W would that be, you know, know thyself kind of idea? You know, step back and know yourself enough yes. to understand how you know how to manage distractions which we've talked yeah. about that kind of thing and i think not only knowing knowing yourself but also how yourself fits within the context of what you're trying to do what are you trying what are, what are you trying to do what are you trying to achieve why <laughs> yeah well and you know that's because it's, that, i get easily distracted by the detail to, and what you're trying to achieve and why is is meaning and purpose mm, absolutely right yeah okay so that's the second. That's the second. Thing. I've got to think yeah, of the third yeah. one, one now. Come on, dig deep. Uh, I think yes. Do something. Make something. Don't 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 spend your time thinking about what you're going to do. Don't spend your time talking about what you're going to do. In fact, I often find that when I talk about what I'm going to do, I don't end up doing it, or I end up doing it piecemeal. Um, and you sort of fool yourself into thinking you've kind of got half of it done when actually all you've done is just kind of <laughs> chatter about so it. So get on with it. Get on with it. And also make something. Do something with your hands. Even if you don't, even if someone, pro hopefully they haven't, but I know this does happen, has said to you, oh, you're not very good at art, or you're not good, or the amount of times you hear people say, oh, I'm not, I can't make stuff, or I, oh, I can't draw, or I can't think in 3D. You won't know unless you try it and inevitably practice trying something uh even if the result is not quite what you wanted it to okay, be so i'm hearing risk will, i'm hearing uh, risk. probably yes here something I am about again. risk in here so take risks <laughs> yeah just get on with it take risks but physical don't action be too precious perhaps and yeah, don't overthink it don't overthink it just do just do i know i actually i use the word just which i shouldn't have done because I, I i i that's one of the things i kind of 
talked about a lot at CSENSE was that we shouldn't use the word just because just is never just. When someone says to you, oh, it'll just be five minutes or, oh, we'll just polish that a bit, you know it's, because, you know it's going to take a week. Um, but I think the action is really helpful. It's healthy uh, f- for your mind. It might be a physical activity. People say that about exercise. But one of the nice things I think about physically doing something, whether it's making something in a garden, making a piece of art, making a piece of theatre, or just doodling something on a... I've said it again. Or doodling on a piece of paper. You've made something. And just... And, ah, that physical action... I think is really helpful. It stops you um, worrying or helps you to not go into an anxious state that you might otherwise do, particularly as a creative person. So I, I think we've actually got four things on the table here. Oh, probably. I, I think that the last one is, is two. <laughs> so one is about risk-taking. Okay. Uh, I, that's what I'm hearing. You know, the, the input, find the impetus to just do things. But specifically, you're pointing to doing something physical. Mm. You know, something with the whole body, with the mm. hands, and something expressive like that. Mm. That's important. I think so. Good. Anything else you'd like to add <laughs> to the mix? Or no, other than that... to say thank you very much. This was really good fun, and it's it's yeah. very it's very it's good fun having this conversation with you. We've yeah. had mini versions of yes. this, I think, when 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 we've been meeting yeah. outside. But it's I hope I hope it's I hope it's useful in some yeah, way. Yeah, really. Well, it's been fascinating, and it's really. Yes, I mean, we do know each other, but what's quite interesting about this process is that we often don't just sit down and listen hard to to someone for an hour and a half, which I think it's been now. So it's been really great, Sam, and uh, probably going to get you back uh, for more conversations in the future around other topics as well. I've got a recall. Yes, you got a recall. (laughs) Yeah, you got through the first audition. (laughs) Well done. But Sam, thanks very much. We um, are going to put in the show notes um, where people can get in touch with you, which I believe you welcome. So if anyone Mm -hmm. wants to reach out and find out more about CSense or about you and your your work and what you're up to, they can get in touch through the links. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. Sam, thanks very much. Thank you for listening and hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you make a living by being creative and talented or manage and coach those who do, then join our community of interest to see and hear more from like-minded people and meet some friends you might not yet know. The ICD supports the development of more caring, relevant and effective coaching and mentoring for everyone who works in the creative industries. To stay part of the conversation, you can visit us online at our LinkedIn group and Facebook page or listen to more episodes from the Six Before Breakfast podcast.